You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. Very serious. Uh, this is the mandatory Samson podcast coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in Manhattan, New York City. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris. Jesus, what happened there? My name is Chris Flannery. I'm joined as always by my great and good friend Joseph Anthony Noe the Third. How you doing today, Chris? <laughs> you know what, John? I'm doing terrific. Nice. Uh, we welcome to the program, everyone. We have a really Nice show lined up today. I think we have a lot of stuff we're going to uh, cover. We're going to try to get into a variety of topics this week mm-hmm. as opposed to only a few in-depth ones. Okay. Not that we're not going to get into some in-depth topics because we are going to get more in-depth on certain uh, stories, such as the GOP poll numbers and policies. Nice. Uh, Black Lives Matter and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. There was a couple of run-ins over the last uh, week or two. Oh, nice. And I have some good clips that we're going to play, I think, that are, uh, that are interesting, and, and we'll, we'll get into those in a little bit. I also want to play uh, a Larry Lessig clip, okay. uh, which we got into a little bit last week when Yamanika was here. And thank you once again to Yamanika yeah, for being here. I thought coming. that was a great episode. Uh, she wasn't really feeling Larry Lessig. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to disagree with her a little bit. We're going to play a clip. Okay, uh, It's a shorter clip, but you know we'll get into uh, kind of what we, I was planning on getting into last week. That's fine. Uh, also, very interesting story. Uh, Nori al-Maliki, who's the former prime minister of Iraq, mm-hmm. A report came out about his role in Mosul's fall to ISIS in Iraq, which is their second biggest city, Mosul. Uh, Very interesting stuff there. Uh, I also have an update about Chelsea Manning and uh, Julian Assange. And uh, we're going to start with some quick updates and quick hits uh, to go along with that. I also want to mention that I I now do uh, thank you to Yamanika and Chloe on Ranting Mm -hmm. and Raven. Uh, I do the Man Samp Report at the end of the episode. Oh, nice. So... You know, most of the time it's going to be uh, talking about something that we're going to cover on our show. So it's sort of okay. like a lead-in. So if you listen yeah. to Ranton and Raven and then you listen to us, you kind of have an idea of uh, at least one of the stories we're going to get into. I talked about Chelsea Manning this week on Ranton and Raven, and uh, the guest was Mark Norman. Ah. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah. So it was really good. And then, uh, you know, so we'll get into like a little bit of an update on that this week on our show. But first, yes. oh, also at the end of the episode, you have a fuck up of the week. Is this yes, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, okay. People can try to figure out what the fuck up of the week is. I kind of knew what you were going to pick. And, yes. Uh, we don't have to say, but you'll get into it at the end of the show. But first, here's something I want to promote about our show. Mm-hmm. We've added donate buttons to standupnewyorklabs.com. Oh, nice. Uh, you're under no obligation to do it. It's just a nice thing to do. I'll get into the specifics of it in a second. But basically, it just covers the production cost a little bit, making sure that we can get microphones mm-hmm. and different things, make sure the production stays high. And really, it's just you know a little bit of a way, if you want to support the show, if you enjoy it, uh, you can go on there and donate. That, that'd be nice. You don't have to, but I'm just going to put it out there That's how to awesome. do that. You can go to StandUpNewYorkLabs.com, look for the entertainment uh, button, mm-hmm. which is pretty big. It's like a big microphone. You click on that. You find the podcast that you're looking for. In this case, it'd be the Mandatory Samson podcast. You click on our logo. Yes. Uh, and then there should be a donate button right there. It only supports PayPal as of right now. Okay. Uh, we're looking into changing that or adding some different options, but if you want to donate through PayPal, that's fine. To sweeten the deal, if you feel like it, if you donate, we will send you a bunch of Mandatory Samson uh, podcast stickers that I nice. had made a, a while ago. 
and it's just kind of been sitting at my apartment. So, uh, you know, if you feel like doing that, great. If you don't, no problem. We know you guys support the show, and we really appreciate it. But if you feel like it, you're more than, more than welcome, welcome to do so. Uh, all right. Are you ready to get into some of these quick hits that we have before yes. we get into, like, the meat of the episode? So usually I like to save uh, or I like to start the episode with a little climate change stuff if there's something I want to talk about. Yes. And I do want to talk about something related to climate change this week. Are you excited, Joey? I'm ready. Hit me with it. Uh, so we've been talking about this Arctic drilling thing that Shell is trying to go up uh, up past Alaska, up into the Arctic to drill, which is has like an 80% chance of failing failing at some point in the next hundred years so it's going to be a disaster eventually uh the bureau of safety and environmental enforcement gave final approval for shell to explore the chukchi chukchi sea this week Hmm. uh so it's official they are going to be going up there 100 percent to uh start drilling they haven't been drilling since 2012 and they're going to go up there and they're going to start doing it again now is the time yeah now apparently is the time uh two in two weeks this is what's interesting uh barack obama heads to alaska to discuss the dangers of climate change yet after the fact that it's already been improved yeah uh, he's already approved this thing and and so it is going to go down i have a couple of quotes and then we can move on i just Mm -hmm. want to put this out there just quick Marissa, I believe Nodell is how you pronounce it, who's uh, from Friends of the Earth Climate uh, Campaign. She's mm-hmm. one of the campaigners. She says, today's decision makes it final. President Obama is willing to allow the pristine Chuchki Sea to become an energy sacrifice zone and worsen climate disruption. President Obama should know better. Shell has no business in our Arctic Ocean, and he will bear responsibility for the damage that Shell wreaks there. All right. Okay. Pretty strong words. I have Obama's response, and then we can move on to the next topic. Barack Obama, this was during a climate um, Q&A he was doing on Twitter. All right. Somebody asked him, like, if you're so serious about climate change, why are you allowing this to happen? His response to this guy on Twitter was, since we can't prevent oil exploration completely uh, in the region, we're setting the highest possible standards. Now, yeah, first of, of all, you can not allow them to go up there. That's well within your rights, I think, to do that. But he's saying... We can't totally prevent it. Fine. Then he continues, already rejected Shell's original proposal as inadequate, which shows we're serious. No, it doesn't. So what did the second proposal say? Well, I guess it follows the highest possible standards. Yeah. Uh, you know. Which includes 80% chance of failure. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's ter- it's terrific. Um, anyway, all right. So that so whatever. I just want to put that out there. It's official. They're going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, keep your eyes peeled to that situation because it's going to be a problem, and I'm sure we'll cover it uh, again in the future. Now, this is something that I've, I've had for like two weeks, but I, it just didn't like fit into the show, but I mm-hmm. figured we'd get to it today. Uh, something that we've talked about quite a bit on this show and that we're very much against, SeaWorld. Yes. Our good friends over at SeaWorld, who I hate, that goddamn commercial, with like, well, we treat our orcas <laughs> with the... Pre-. No, you don't. You're terrible to them. Since the 2013 documentary Blackfish came out, mm-hmm. and probably more impactfully since the MSP uh, podcast criticized the company's bullshit marketing campaign, Absolutely. they've suffered... An 84% collapse in profits. That's all us. What? I'm, I'm just going to say that. That's all us. Yeah, that is mostly our, our impact, I feel yes. like. Um, here's the thing that I want to say about that. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good that people are not going there. It's yes. good that they're losing profits. My concern, though, is that the sea creatures that they have there will like not get cared for at all at this point. Because if they don't have the money to spread around, yes, you know, it, it could end up being a, a, a pretty... Bad situation for them, more so than it already is. And probably you can't release them into the world because they're docile and they might not be used to the. Well, you can. Yeah, I mean that's nature. that's true. You definitely can't release them back into the wild. So, 
Not a good situation in SeaWorld. I'm glad that their profits are collapsing, but that could be a bad situation for the creatures. I do have a quote from the SeaWorld CEO that's really annoying that I just wanted to read. Okay. And then we can move on to the next thing. We, we have a Planned Parenthood uh, update that I think is uh, good. Joel Manby, who's the SeaWorld CEO, says, We realize we have much work ahead of us to recover more of our attendance base, increase revenue, and improve our performance as returning to historical performance levels will take time and investment. On the reputation side, early feedback on our campaign has been positive. Well, no, it hasn't. Not if you listen to this podcast. No, not at all. I hate that goddamn commercial. It drives me crazy every time I see it. However, we recognize that fully resolving our brand challenges in California will require sustained focus and commitment to correct misinformation. This guy's saying that mm-hmm. it's just a matter of misinformation. The whales are treated fine. They do, li- you know, their their level of health is fine. They're not sustaining injuries which we we've we've definitely gotten into on the show we've oh, talked about the injuries that they've sustained uh, on facebook recently i i saw there was a picture of how much room the actual like animals have it was like one percent of the entire theme park was just for them everything else is a giant parking lot or this exhibit or that and only and the paul orcas only have like one percent of the entire space to, to swim around and actually have a habitat yeah well that's that's just that's the half of it i mean that's yeah. disgusting and it's like their normal habitat is the entire fucking ocean so nothing they're gonna do you know is, is gonna, gonna be is gonna that. feel like less than jail for these brilliant animals but yeah no yeah. It's, a, it's a tragedy anyway wanted to put that out there good sea world's profits are collapsing but this you know this needs to be something that uh you know is really talked about and the, the sea world just shouldn't exist this guy's talking about misinformation and we need to make sure that people are pre- no you need to just your model doesn't work that no. that's the problem do, do you agree with that joey yes <laughs> good yeah don't elaborate whatsoever uh just talk a second because i want to have a sip of my polar seltzer okay i'm drinking orange vanilla polar seltzer it's, it's extremely hot in the studio today i'm uh, i'm parched So, how you doing? All right, nah. Wow, can you believe this, everybody? No, uh, no, <laughs> that's that is ridiculous. You could have uh, just told me to play with the buttons for two minutes. Yeah, play with your own buttons. All right. Oh, by the way, you better be taking titles because you didn't have to do it last week because Yamanika was here. So yes. we just put you with Yamanika Saunders. All right. This is a Planned Parenthood update, everyone. Um, we first talked about this on MSP Forty Two, selling off baby lungs, mm-hmm. where we talked, we broke down the videos. Um, that the Center for Medical Pro- uh, Center, where is it? Center for Medical Progress, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were putting out these sting videos, and we kind of looked at the videos and, and debunked what, what they were trying to say on, was going yeah. on. So, if you really want to know like the full story, go check that out. This is an update mm-hmm. to that. Several investigations have concluded, while several more are underway, in light of the seemingly damning sting videos that I just mentioned, put out by the Center for American uh, for Medical Progress. These are the states that have been investigated. Georgia, mm-hmm. Indiana, Massachusetts, South Dakota. They, all those uh, investigations come back showing that they are in full compliance of the law. They are not selling uh, fetal tissue for a profit. They're selling it for what is realistically uh, just, just the cost. Of yeah, doing what business, is legal. Right. Okay. Currently under investigation, Arizona, Kansas, Louisiana, Missouri, Ohio, Tennessee, and Texas. This is what's interesting about these states. All of them fall under one of the next three things that I'm about to say. Okay. They either don't have a tissue donation program at all, so it doesn't make sense. Nothing to look into. Nothing to look into. They don't do abortions, which is how you You can't look into it. Right. (laughs) And also, some of them are barred by state law from donating tissues in the first place. 
So huh. this is just lip service being paid again. And this, this really speaks volumes to why it's sort of a bullshit camp. Not sort of. It is a bullshit campaign. It's just states where they can grandstand and make it seem like they're trying to do something when they're really not. There's no problem there. And, um, you know, a lot of these states don't have any, any problems to begin with. I wanted to say this. Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida is the best. And by the best, I mean the worst. Florida is currently arguing about what the second trimester is, calling, claiming oh. Planned Parenthood is performing abortions illegally. Now, I have some information about that because I think it's interesting. The Daily Signal uh, – oh, no. Here we go. The reports describe women who are about 13 weeks into their pregnancies as being second trimester patients. But under state regulations, the second trimester begins at 14 weeks. The confusion stems from how pregnancies are measured. Rules passed by the Agency for Healthcare Administration define the first trimester as the first 12 weeks after fertilization, which is the same as the first 14 weeks after the woman's last normal period. Because, like we've said a number of times when we're talking about this, you don't know the moment of, of conception. So you can't start measuring from a time you don't know. You have to measure it from when, oh, she missed her period or whatever it yeah. is, and then you know she's pregnant, then you measure 12 weeks from there. So that's, that's the story. But meanwhile, Florida still... Has in trouble. Still got to go. Yeah, we, we're going to argue about what, what, what time is. That, it's, if the Sting videos really were damning, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to have this like crazy argument. It's just about trying to prevent people from having abortions because they don't like it from a, a religious standpoint. Fine, but you can't tell people what they can and can't do. I, I wonder how much money they're wasting having the states look into this even further. Millions of dollars. Yeah, it's Easily millions of dollars. It's totally unnecessary. The last thing I wanted to say about this is the Daily Signal, which is a heritage, which is a uh, a website, but it's a heritage foundation. They they own it, and the Heritage mm-hmm. Foundation is a very conservative uh, organization. Even, listen to this. Even in cases where no illegal activity on the part of Planned Parenthood is found, quote, the suspicion of violation of the law can lead to termination or suspension of state dollars to Planned Parenthood and other service providers. That's insane. So even if they didn't do anything, we're still going to cut you off because we think you did. Yeah, the go-to by association. Yeah, that's just nonsense. And you can see why this is nonsense uh, just based on the way that they're reacting to this because it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. And so now they're still trying to find ways to, you know. Uh, cut off funding to Planned Parenthood, which is just absurd. All right. You got anything else to say about that, Joe? No. <laughs> What's going on with you today? You're no, right? nothing. I'm fine. All right. You just seem like you don't have a lot to say. Okay. All right. Respond with silence. I like it. Yes. Boo! Boo! All right. The next story I want to get into, and this one's really, uh, this is a big one, I think. AT&T... The NSA and the UN is how I have this uh, little segment titled. New mm. York Times slash ProPublica published, like in conjunction, they worked on the story, published a story citing newly disclosed NSA documents dating from 2003 to 2013, showing a, quote, highly collaborative relationship and an, in quotes, extreme willingness to help between AT&T and the NSA. Now, these documents mm-hmm. are available because of, one Edward Snowden. So once yes. again, Edward Snowden keeps putting these documents or not keeps putting them out, but he gave the documents to journalists and we keep reaping the benefits of this. Turns out that AT&T and the NSA yeah. uh, had a very strong collaboration to wiretap the UN. Oh, that seems like a good idea. Uh yeah, it's highly it, illegal, but sounds like a good idea. Well, is it even illegal because the NSA is doing it? So who's going to tell them to stop? The only way to do it is that Congress should tell them, but they're not going to tell them. Yeah. Okay. AT&T, this is the other part of this. AT&T was not specifically named. So AT&T's name does not come up in the documents. But according to the article, it says, quote, a constellation of evidence pointed to the 
to the company, meaning they were able through profits and different yes. information that was in the documents. They go, well, that's AT&T. AT&T. It matches up perfectly. Uh, AT&T gave access to, quote, billions of emails across its domestic networks and provided, quote, technical assistance in, quote, wiretapping all Internet communication at the United Nations in New York City. Hmm. Yeah, hmm, very, very interesting. Brad Burns, who's an AT&T spokesman, says, we do not voluntarily, this is always the language that they use. Yes. We do not voluntarily provide information to any investigating authorities other than if a person's life is in danger and time is of the essence. So they're saying in rare circumstances they'll give information. But they always go, we do not voluntarily. So but they like, were keeping the, the information, which is the major point of this. Sure, and they can allow back doors, and they can give the NSA. They say, you know, they're not going to tell the NSA, yeah, go ahead and take the, the information. But they work with the NSA and say, there's a back door here, so if you need information, go get it. I want to meet the person who came up with the idea of not having to name them at all in the document well i mean that's just smart they're just trying not to do it but they you know but if you do enough research if you have the proper information then you can go in and figure out what's really going on uh i believe her name is vanina vanina mastracci who's a u.n spokeswoman she says uh we obviously have security and safety measures in place including through our information and technology department we are looking at this and how best to respond the United States authorities had previously given us assurances as to the fact they are not and were not monitoring our communication. The inviolability of the United Nations is well established under international law, and we expect, expect member states to act accordingly and to respect and protect that inviolability. What she's referring to is the United Nations said in 2000, uh, the United States rather said in 2013 uh, that it had pledged not to spy on the world body's communications after a report that the NSA had gained access to the UN video conferencing system. So in 2013, the US is like, no, 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 like, sorry, we shouldn't have done that. We won't. Oh, somebody made it. a mistake. They got caught. Right. Yeah. Well, they're uh, hopefully they're eventually going to keep getting caught, and yeah. part of the reason they're going to get caught is because people like Edward Snowden that again is a hero and keeps putting out this information trying to tell us that the world is basically being wiretapped that's how the information comes out it's not going to come out other than through an absolute fuck up but it's going to come out through leaked documents god you say that yeah uh, i i wonder what the deal was in conjunction between at&t and the nsa like did someone from the nsa go hey buddy uh i need a favor from you yeah yeah absolutely i mean i'm sure there's some kind of money passing between the two of them. Because listen to this. NSA's AT&T budget uh-huh. was two times bigger than the next nearest program of its kind. Uh, surveillance equipment was in 17 of AT&T's U.S. Internet hubs. So you have oh, to assume that yeah. they're working you know, hand in hand here. And, and obviously the budget is much larger for the NSA to send funds to AT&T yeah. or whatever it is. So, yeah, of course, there's, a mon- there's always a monetary uh, gain. gain involved in situations like this. What I, here's something I wrote. This is mm-hmm. just a thought that I had um, about this whole thing as I was writing it. I'll, I'll just read what I wrote because I, I didn't want to forget what I was going to say. It seems like spying is ubiquitous, that this is something that is happening all over the world. We've heard different stories about the U.S. wiretapping Germany and mm-hmm. France and the U.N. And, uh, and, and, and citizens and foreign people. Yeah. So it's company on company spying. It's country on country. It's corporation on international organization. Is there any wonder why war and distrust run rampant. They don't trust each other, so there's no uh, room for diplomacy and compromise. Like, they have to... A certain element of diplomacy is trust. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to, you know, meet up with different people from different countries or different organizations, Mm -hmm. talk to them, believe what they're saying, and if there's a lie somewhere in there, if they're shielding the truth, that's stuff that gets worked out over time and you figure it out and you make different plans, but... 
if you're just spying on everybody, you're listening in on their private conversations, stuff that maybe you'd want to know, but doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily help uh, if you know their personal feelings about diplomats or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, ultimately, if you're trying to deal on a, on a higher level and try to make accords between different companies and different nations. Like, it, it just seems to me weird that the... You would think that maybe having more information through spying would help, but I think it seems like it's hurting because you then don't trust anything anybody's saying, even if you are acting in good faith. Well, you can't trust any what anybody's saying anyway because everyone's always in competition with each other. Yeah, but that's not true, though. because So that means that no accord that has ever taken place in the history of the world was based on good faith, that they actually could trust each other. So why do we even have allies then? It's all this like big charade. If you can't trust any of your allies you have to spy on them you have to spy on the un then then what are you really doing there's no room to actually form trust Mm -hmm. if you're just going to listen in on everybody's private conversation and then know all the little details about what they're saying you're never going to be able to make a real positive change happen and that's part of why people don't trust government and trust these big international organizations because they don't trust each other they're not trustworthy to each other. So how are people even supposed to buy into the system and trust them? Exactly. So the best way would be is maybe to form new regulations where people actually communicate and have transparency. Well, that's... Or like say, you know what? We're spying and this is how we're doing it at least. No, but they, they can't say they're spying because that defeats the purpose then because then you won't say stuff in those... Ro- you know, it's like... It, the, the real simple answer is that the NSA needs to be put into... Ch- put, checked by checked. Congress... People need to be aware of it, which I think is something that we, we always talk about this, and I think it's important. That's why mm-hmm. I think it's important for public awareness, because then when you see things happening on an international level or whatever, and you go, boy, that seems like a shitty deal. Or that seems like this hmm. could have been done a different way. Well, yeah, maybe the reason why these things aren't being done is because of the backhanded kind of um, non-diplomacy that they're practicing through spying and, and not trusting each other. That's, that's a big issue, mm-hmm. right? All right. I wanted to put that out there because I think that's important. We'll, we'll follow up that story. We'll see if the UN has any kind of response to it. But what are they really going to do? I mean, at a certain point, you know, it's too late. They were doing it for 10 years. Well, I want to know if there's like a magical place that has all, every recording, everything that was ever said. And if they could just click a button and bring a, like a keyword type thing. Well, yeah, that's exactly, that what's, crazy. That's exactly what Snowden was talking about. First of all, they're building... I can't think of the guy's name. I'd, I'd have to look it up. But mm-hmm. he was the guy that created the domestic spying program unwittingly. He designed it to spy on foreign, you know, nationals, ter- national, yeah. whatever, like enemies of the state, basically. Uh, I, I can't remember his name. But anyway, but he talked about oh, William Binney. He talked about the Bluffdale, Utah billion dollar NSA thing that they're building over there where they're going to store the world's communications. Oh. And then through Snowden, we know that they have X key score and a lot of these other uh, different programs where you can literally just run through all the data and find it across a number of different uh, things and you can get a full picture of a person. That is so scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, however, it is, it is. But to an extent, Snowden also talked about the idea of if you make the haystack too big, you're never going to be able to find the needle. needle. So, you know, there's pros and cons to it that maybe because they're tracking all this information, they can't find certain aspects of it. But if they really want to, they're going to be able to. and, And that is the big problem. Uh, Perfect segue into these next two, Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange. Now, like I mentioned, I talked about the Chelsea Manning thing on Ranton and Raven uh, pretty in, in detail. Mm-hmm. But so I have my notes that I wrote for that show. So I'm just going to read quickly just okay. a little bit of uh, you know background information on Chelsea Manning. And then we can get into the situation because there's been an update. And the Julian Assange thing is even maybe worse. I don't know. 
Chelsea Manning, who was formerly Bradley Manning, she's transitioned while she's been mm-hmm. in military prison, which I'm sure is a, an absolute pleasure to do that. Uh, the U.S. Army soldier is serving 35 years in a military prison for leaking documents to WikiLeaks regarding the war in Iraq, and particularly the collateral murder video, uh, which is something that I think we've mentioned on the show. If you don't know about it, you guys could go to collateralmurder.wikileaks.org and watch that video. It was very um, impactful to me when I first saw it. It was very... Uh, solidifying in my opinions about the Iraq war and how we do business internationally mm-hmm. in terms of war. And, uh, you know, it, it's just troubling. It's a troubling video to watch because of the callousness of what's going on in the video, but you guys could check that out. Anyway, that's something that came out of uh, Chelsea Manning's release of documents to WikiLeaks. She has been threatened with indefinite solitary confinement after guards found violations in her cell, such as having an expired tube of toothpaste the Caitlyn Jenner Vanity Fair issue, the Malala Yousafzai uh, memoir, Malala, you know Malala, the mm-hmm. young girl that was attacked by the Taliban and is like very strange. If you watch her talk, she's brilliant. She's a young person, but she acts like she's mm-hmm. been around for 100 years. It's very strange. Uh, and the U.S. Senate report on torture, amongst other publications and books. Uh, Manning is allowed. This is what's crazy. Manning is. You're following me on this. Yes. Right? Manning is allowed to have the toothpaste and the books and the magazines. However, the expiration date on the toothpaste and the fact that the publications were not, quote, properly marked with inmates name and registration number are at issue here. OK, they're fucking yeah, with bullshit. Her because, yeah, yeah, it's petty. Right. Uh, on top of all of this, she tweeted the other day, if you want to go to her Twitter, it's at X Y Chelsea, that she has been denied access to prison legal library just days before she will represent herself at a hearing. Of now, course. Yeah. The hearing took place. This is the update about it. She was found guilty on all four uh, charges, but what? Well, I, the, especially with the toothpaste, how the hell can she control that? Yeah, well, exactly. What, what, do, you, what do you want her to do? She just gonna, she's in jail. You yes, I, run excuse me. Yeah. You gave me the wrong expiration date on the toothpaste. You gave it to me. Yeah, no, it, it, of course. It's extremely petty. It makes no sense. This is what I was going to say. She was found guilty on all four uh, charges that were, she mm-hmm. was facing. But she will be spared, luckily, indefinite solitary confinement. She will face 21 days of recreational restrictions. No gym, no library, not allowed to go outdoors for, 21, for three weeks. She won't have to be in solitary confinement, which is nice. Chase Strangio, who's her ACA, ACLU lawyer, credited support of citizens and a petition uh, for keeping her out of solitary. He thinks that because people were paying attention to this issue. And she wasn't placed in it. Okay. Yeah, because they because people are watching. Yes. So that's that's the thing. And I wanted to bring that up for for that reason. It's a saving grace. It's a, right. But it's important for people to realize that, uh, you know, I think a lot of time and even on the show, we go like, look, we can know about it all we want. But there's a lot of it that's out of our hands. In this case, you can make direct impact on something by signing a petition, which I did. Mm-hmm. Y- you th- that puts the pressure on them even to a little extent to try to help somebody that i think was trying to help all of us and had a, a moment of uh con- a crisis of conscience at that point when mm-hmm. she released the documents and i think it's important to know that that that's something that can be credited as keeping her out of a shitty situation i want to wrap up her part with saying when she was first held in military confinement in the u.s having been brought back from iraq she was at the brig in quantico and uh she was subjected to prolonged solitary confinement in conditions that were widely denounced as inhumane and even as a form of torture. She was there for five years before she was even tried huh. and she was in solitary confinement and suffered a lot of, um, you know, indignities. She, she would have to, um, strip every day. The guards would have to inspect her. She couldn't have a pillow. She That's couldn't have a, a blanket. Shame. Well, it's not a shame. I mean, it's, it's disgusting what we're doing, especially to somebody who, 
saw a problem, and if you watch the collateral murder video, that's why I'm urging you guys to do that, you'll see why. If you watch it, you go, wow, that's extremely fucked up what they're doing in this video. And that this young person who... Brought it to people's attention. Yeah, gets punished. Yeah. On top of that, she tried to bring it, because a lot of people go, well, she did it the wrong way. She gave it to WikiLeaks. She tried to bring it up the chain of command. Oh, nobody, it's not going anywhere. Nobody did anything. Right. That, that's always the problem. That You could pretend all day, oh, bring it to Congress. Bring it up to... No. They're not interested in making change. They're not interested in making their lives any more difficult. So it goes nowhere. She did what she felt she could do and to make, make a decision. She right. made a decision. So and, and that's it. And she's paying for it. I don't think she needs to be treated any uh, you know any worse than uh, you know normal citizen mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. So meanwhile, Julian Assange. Yes. The sexual assault probe that has been at uh, you know issue for this entire time. Mm-hmm. Very small background. Julian Assange is the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. He receives a lot of the documents. He vets them. He makes sure what, what is going out is legitimate and all this yeah. stuff. At the time when he first started, this is uh, years ago, he was hit with, suddenly was hit with these weird charges from Sweden that he had sexually assaulted a woman, that he had allegedly had raped her. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read about it, I'm not going to get too far into it because it's it's a while ago, but if you guys want to look into it, if you read about it, that's it's unclear. In fact, he was living with this woman. They were sleeping in the same bed every night. They had slept together a number of times. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not saying that, could he absolutely have not have raped her? No, I'm not saying that, but it seems extreme. You know, if you read into the case, it, it seems, seems extremely suspicious yeah. what happened here and you know it's also a way of 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 getting him in custody without you know because him putting out the documents isn't really a crime because he didn't leak the documents he received the documents and published them that, that's mm-hmm. a newspaper that's what glenn greenwald did at the guardian they won yeah. nobel prizes for this type of work so Pulitzer Prize, excuse me so anyway that's like sort of the background on assange the sexual assault probe has been dropped by swedish prosecutors against julian assange after the statute of limitations ran out however they still want to question him about a rape allegation, uh, which I just mentioned, and that expires in 2020. Now, Assange is in the Ecuadorian embassy in England. Yeah, he can't leave. He can't leave. It's 24-hour uh, police are on guard there, so if he ever steps out, they're going to arrest him, extradite him to Sweden, and then I guarantee you from Sweden he'd be coming to the United States because they prosecute him for putting out these documents. Yes. Even though, like I said, WikiLeaks is essentially a news organization, so it's bullshit that they would mm-hmm. – okay. Uh, he, the other interesting thing that he keeps saying, cause I have a, uh, I have a quote from him, but basically he, the Ecuadorian embassy and he said, come interview me in the Ecuadorian embassy. If yeah, you, you really can ask me questions. Why do I have to come to Sweden yeah. to do it? I'm here. Come here. Uh, in March, the Swedish prosecutors agreed to question him at the embassy, but suddenly the deal just fell apart. Yeah. So they couldn't do it. Right. So this is just an excuse to keep this guy in indefinite detention, basically. Uh, until at least 2020, and then who you know who knows yeah. what's going to happen from there. This is Julian Assange's um, statement, and then I have a UK Foreign Office minister, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Assange says, "I am extremely disappointed. There was no need for any of this. I am an innocent man. I haven't even been charged. From the beginning, I offered a simple solution: come to the embassy to take my statement, or promise not to send me to the United States." This Swedish official refused both. She even refused a written statement. Now, she has managed to avoid hearing my side of the story entirely. This is beyond incompetence. I am strong, but the cost to my family is unacceptable. Even though I have been improperly treated, I would like to thank the many people in Sweden and the UK who have been very understanding of the wrong, which has been done to me and my family. Meanwhile, the, the cost to England to keep this guy in the embassy is oh, it must absurd. be astronomical. Right. Uh, 
the the one thing I do have to say about that is I don't find it a level of uh, incompetency. It, it's just being sneaky. Oh, it's highly competent, right? They, right, he's calling it incompetency. He yeah. knows what he's saying, but it's it's right. They're doing it intentionally. He knows yeah. exactly what he's saying, but it's incompetence really in the way that they're handling the rape case. If you really are serious about that, if that's something that you really want to take care of, go there. Yeah, you can easily talk to the guy, get his story, and then you can put follow put the pieces up. together. Right. Uh, this is Hugo Swire, which is a pretty cool name, the UK Foreign Office Minister. He says. Ecuador must recognize that its decision to harbor Mr. Assange more than three years ago has prevented the proper course of justice. It is completely unacceptable that the British taxpayer has had to foot the bill for this abuse of diplomatic relations. First of all, Ecuador is well within their rights to keep Assange there Mm -hmm. because they were granting him asylum in Ecuador. They were going to let him go there. One thing led to another. He couldn't get out of England when he was at the the embassy, so he just stayed there. He's been trapped there. England can let him leave if they want yeah. they can say you know what instead of wasting millions of dollars a year keep, keeping guards there all the time and letting this guy live in like shitty conditions he, he has apparently very bad asthma and like being indoors in the Ecuadorian embassy for a year on end is no good uh yeah let him leave that that's the easy solution you're the ones that are uh you know screwing up the diplomatic relations if anything the only thing he needs is a piece of paper that says the u.s cannot interfere with me being transported that's right it. and that's the other aspect of it right why wouldn't they what if they're really just serious about the sexual assault allegations or whatever it is why wouldn't you just say okay yeah. that's our concern then if the united states wants to do oh maybe because the united states and sweden work very closely together they build all our tanks you know yeah whatever so anyway so you know what's going on there that is something that i find uh aggravating and i wanted to bring that up now before we get into uh the rest of the stuff this is really the Iraq thing is is something that I think I've said on a number of occasions. It's something that's really, uh, I think, been the one of the most defining situations, events in my lifetime and mm-hmm. has really helped shape my views on American foreign policy, politics, etc. Because everything that took place after 9-11 and on 9-11, uh, particularly the Iraq war, sh- shows malice in government incompetence like we mm-hmm. just said it, it, it really it, it encompasses everything really that you need to know and particularly i think uh about the republican party not to say that the democratic party doesn't have its faults we always go after things that they're doing as well mm-hmm. but i think this 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 period of time really speaks volumes about where the republican party is on a lot of the stuff now that being said nori al-maliki who was the former prime minister of Iraq Mm -hmm. and took over as the prime minister, I believe in 2006. Yeah. Okay. Listen to this. Now Mm -hmm. this is a guy that was interviewed by the CIA and the U S before becoming the prime minister of Iraq. They, the Iraqi. So he was vented and everything vetted, right? The Iraqi citizens elected a a different guy. I can't think of his name right now. Didn't really seem like it was going to work out. So they got rid of him. They had another election and essentially the U S handpicked Al Maliki to be the guy that would take over Iraq, which, in case you haven't been paying attention, Iraq really hasn't worked out uh, the way that you know everybody uh, believed it would. Or mm-hmm. not everybody, but at least the people in charge uh, at the time. An Iraqi parliamentary committee says former Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki and other officials are to blame for ISIL's capture of Mosul last year. Mosul's the second biggest city in Iraq. Mm-hmm. It's a huge strategic part. I think Ramadi is maybe the big. No, Baghdad, I guess, is the biggest city. But anyway, Mosul falling to ISIS was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem strategically. Al-Maliki became the prime minister in 2006. He became the vice prime minister, uh, vice president in 2014, just which is great. That doesn't seem like uh, 
that doesn't seem like a normal transition of power, right? No. When you become the president, you're like, okay, but I'll just be here. I'll be the vice president. I'll, I'll kind of like keep all my people in place. Current prime minister, Hader Alabadi, abolished the vice presidency last week. Oh, of course He's he like, did. fuck that. <laughs> We're done with that position because it, obviously it's no good. Now he's consolidated a lot of power in yeah. the parliament. Whether that's good, only time will tell, but it seems like Abadi is uh, maybe more equipped to run the country because he's the one that put out these you know, these investigations mm-hmm. to see what happened. Uh, numer- this is crazy. Numerous military commanders said al-Maliki ordered troops out of military bases in Mosul. So ISIS is coming in. And he got the troops out. He, he tells his commanders to leave, like essentially let them take the city. What's, what's weird about this, and this is, you know, I'm going to stay on top of this because I, I don't really understand why he would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, ISIS, or ISIL, as they're saying, it's the uh, Islamic State of Iraq and Levant or whatever, but it's like okay. the same group. They're Sunni Arab, all right? Al-Maliki is Shia. Iran is also Shia predominantly, okay? okay. That's, their, their se- that's their sect of the religion. Partly, part of the reason why the U.S. put Maliki in place is because they didn't feel that he was loyal to uh, Iran. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense then why he would let ISIS take over Mosul because they're not part of the sect that he belongs to and also iran and isis are at odds iran is not supporting isis so it just seems very weird that if this guy wasn't i i, I don't know it just doesn't make sense there's a he, lot he, to like he probably has his own agenda which yeah but what what is his agenda? why would his agenda be to let isis take over iraq he's not part of he's not of that uh religious mindset not that that's necessarily the only thing that would be factoring into it but it just doesn't seem yeah, to make any off. sense so Listen, if people listening, if you have any kind of insight or thoughts about that, I'd love to hear from you. You can email us at mandatorysampson at gmail.com or leave a, uh, you know, leave a clip a on soundcloud.com slash mandatorysampson. I'll, I'll gladly answer that. But this is something I'm going to stay on top of, mm-hmm. and I think it's fucking damning that the guy that the U.S. – this is the other aspect of it. picked Yeah. Had the troops leave. It's always the case. Why, why <laughs> is it that – why can't we just – we either handpick a guy who's not uh, equipped to handle the situation or backfires or – like in Egypt, we'll do nothing and we allow them to elect somebody. It turns out he's like some kind of Islamic fundamentalist guy. He gets overthrown and then we put a put a, a murderous general in charge. It's always a problem mm-hmm. when we meddle. This is what the this is again goes back to the Iraq War and why we created a rationale to go in and do this stuff to take Saddam out. None of this would have been happening if Saddam was in in charge and i'm not defending saddam hussein or saying that that guy was somehow like a yeah great hindsight's hero. 2020 though you, you can't stop no that that's not out. true everybody at the time said the biggest mistake would be to t- first of all dick cheney himself said you need a strong man to run this country and that strong man saddam hussein there's video of rumsfeld shaking his hand they they worked hand in hand with saddam mm. against uh against iran like this is the thing it's it's not hindsight they they knew what was going to happen and they also knew immediately don't disband the republican guard that was a huge deal right at the beginning and that's exactly what they did this is all it's not hindsight 2020 a lot of the shit was in place we knew it we should have just left saddam alone he had nothing to do with 9 all right whatever all right so 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 we chose to ignore it in this case we always choose to we do whatever we do in the moment what seems like the easiest thing to do and then long term, it always ends up backfiring. ISIS is going to be a legitimate problem if they're not already. It's a Middle Eastern problem, and hopefully it can be dealt with that way. But it's but you know that's not what's going to happen. You know that 10 years from now or whatever, it's going to come to war. And that, that's always what ends up happening, mm-hmm. whether that's because of incompetence or because of uh, – 
you know, trying to uh, get Halliburton paid and get Boeing to build bombs and shit like that. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? But that, but that is what always ends up happening. And this is a, a very clear case of that. So I'm going to stay on top of this. And also, I just want to say this. I guess I'm kind of having an argument with myself. But many years ago, I talked about when Iraq was seemingly more stable, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. People were saying, oh, it's a success of democracy. Al-Maliki is, uh, you know, doing a good job. I was paying attention because Al-Maliki just kept staying in office. Didn't really matter if he was getting elected. Didn't matter what was happening. He was just there. He just kept staying there. And I I kept saying to myself and to other people that I was talking to, like, this is not a democracy. This guy's guy's staying there. No, he's fine. Well, no, he's not fine. And and look at the trouble that he potentially, uh, you know, is caught up in here. And then just last week he was thrown out. Yeah, well, the position doesn't exist, so we'll see. So, uh, you know, he might go on trial now, and we'll see what ends up happening. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting, but it's, the damage is already done, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right, so we have a couple more things to do. I want to do the Larry Lessig thing. I want to. Okay. Th- these are clips that we're going to play, basically. And then you have the fuck-up of the week. Yes. Would you like to just tease people, let them know maybe what, what possibly we're going to be talking about there? Hmm has to do with food it has to do with food and children right yes okay so that's a little that's a little hint uh, <laughs> as to what might be coming a little bit later from joey uh all right so the larry lesson clip black lives matter and then we're gonna end up with some gop poll numbers okay. and uh some of their policy shit huckabee that guy is just wildly out of his mind he just says the craziest stuff and then also something about the 14th amendment but we're gonna get into that all right so like i mentioned last week larry lessig this guy i really like he's a political activist and a mm-hmm. uh, political theorist I really like what he has to say. I'm just going to play what he's talking about is the Citizen Equality Act of 2017. This is like a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute video. We'll just play it. Uh, And we can move on. But I I like his idea. And I think somebody commented on on the episode. I think it was Tyler. uh, Tyler, I I don't remember who it is, but I think Mm -hmm. it was Tyler. He he said, like, even if this guy realistically can't become president or this idea can't come fully to fruition, Mm -hmm. the fact that he's out there and the fact that he might be in the debates – or, you know, creating this dialogue, it naturally pushes the conversation towards that. It forces the issue. Yes. So totally important. And I'm not totally writing off the fact that he could potentially become a referendum president, but it's unlikely. But let's play the video. This is uh, Larry Lessig talking about the Citizen Equality Act of 2017, which I think is a great idea and I think really uh, would help to uh, restore a true democracy in America. Every week. The core problem in America's democracy is a problem of equality. And as president, as the first referendum president, I would serve until Congress passed a statute to fix this rigged system and to end this inequality. The Citizen Equality Act of 2017 should have three critical parts. First, it should assure the equal freedom to vote. Congress would secure that freedom as a fundamental right. It would require that freedom be protected against discriminatory barriers. It would require states to assure that all had a meaningfully equal freedom to participate in voting. It would make states make voting easy by moving Election Day to a national holiday. Great idea. That's a good point. Why wouldn't it be? If you really, if we really, instead of just paying lip service to the idea of democracy, and that's what's frustrating. I also have an article for next week that I'm just going to like hint at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. has fallen to 20th on the National Freedom uh, Index. Oh, we're the only English-speaking country outside of the top 10, and we're number 20. Okay? Wow. If you're really going to pay lip service to the idea of democracy, 
why wouldn't you make election day a holiday? You know what? This is our fun. This is a huge right that we have. Everybody take the day off. We're going to vote today. And we're all really going to participate in this democracy. No, we're going to make barriers a lot harder. We're going to get rid of the, uh, you know, the the, uh, Civil Rights Act and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. We're going to make it more difficult. Great. Larry Lessig, great point. I think that's a fundamental uh, aspect. It is. It is a good point. Second, the Citizen Equality Act should assure equal representation in Congress. Political gerrymandering would finally come to an end. No longer would the politicians pick their voters. And a system of fair and proportional representation of all of us would replace it. Great. Now, do you understand what gerrymandering is? No. Gerrymandering, uh, that's fine. I I figured I'll I'll explain it. Gerrymandering essentially is redrawing the... Uh, district, the lines where people vote. Oh, with the votes. Right. So if you have, say a a district had, it was half black, half white, different socioeconomic backgrounds, whatever, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to speak if you're a a person representing those people, you're going to have to talk differently to a a more diverse coalition than if you redraw the lines where people vote, now you you don't actually represent those uh, poor black or white people. You only represent the wealthy people. So it it forces, uh, or rather, it makes politicians more easily electable because they only have to talk to the people they want to talk to as opposed to representing an actual broad, diverse, realistic group of people that they would really be representing, which is how you get into situations where certain states don't have abortion rights or don't have... A number of things, mm-hmm. you know, or, or they don't want to adopt Obamacare. Well, it'd be much more difficult to get those people elected if it was equal representation. Absolutely. And third, and most important to me, the Citizen Equality Act should secure a Congress whose campaigns are financially dependent, not on the very few, but on all of us. Replacing crony funding of campaigns with funding by citizens through small dollar vouchers or matching funds. Each yeah, which I like. I mean, again, f- mm-hmm. citizen funded elections is really what you know what this thing's all about, and that makes total sense. Each of these parts would be based on existing proposals for reform. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're pulling together a package that together would create a meaningful political equality for all of America's citizens. That commitment to equality should not be controversial in America, or if it is, then let's have that fight on these terms. Let us defend the idea of equal citizens and let those who oppose it explain why they're against it. Beautiful. I love More that. More than 225 years ago, we were promised to Congress, quote, dependent on the people alone, whereby the people, Madison promised, they meant, quote, not the rich more than the poor. It's time we have that democracy. It's way past time. Let's create it. All right. And then it says make democracy possible again. You go to Lessig, L-E-S-S-I-G, uh, 2016.us. You can go check out more information about that. Joe, you got any... uh, So the only way this would happen is if everyone would vote for him for president. Well, here's the idea. Yeah, I mean, no, not the only way. Uh, You know, I think, like I mentioned, the Mm -hmm. idea that he's putting this stuff out there, I think, is important because it it maybe makes people realize. And that's why I want to put this out there. So if you're having conversations about, oh, democracy's broken, whatever, Mm -hmm. we always talk about money in politics. And you could say, it's actually this guy, Larry Lessig, who has a pretty novel idea. 
his idea, just to reiterate it, because I don't know if people caught it from last week, he wants to run as a referendum president, meaning he will only run on this one issue. He will have the Citizen Equality Act, which is what we just talked mm-hmm. about, and he broke it down a little bit. He'll run on that issue. Every debate that he was in, any situation, he would re- bring it back to this issue. Yeah, sure. Now, theoretically, if you got this guy elected, he says he would get Congress to enact this. And he would only stay as the president until this stuff was enacted. And once that happened, he would resign and the vice president would carry out his term. He's on the left. He would want his vice president to be an Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or possibly Hillary Clinton. So that's sort of the, you know, that's the that's the catch and the interesting part of this thing. But broader picture, he's putting out a really important issue. And I think it's I think it's good. Um, So we'll see. I don't know if he's going to he's trying to raise a million dollars, I think. Uh, from small donations, and he's mm-hmm. going to try to get into the debates, which I think would be fair and reasonable at least to have him in one debate and yes. see where it goes. Um, Is right. that going to be enough money f- for that one debate? It should be, right? Yeah, it's just enough to show that he can get that kind of support and then you know be able to go out and campaign a little bit and hopefully uh, register somewhere in the polls that he'd mm-hmm. be able to uh, get out there. So I think that's really important, and that's an idea I could really get behind, especially say he he had Elizabeth Warren as his running mate. mate. Elizabeth Warren, who isn't running but potentially could, or Bernie Sanders or whatever, yeah. it, it's, it's a really good idea, and I like that that guy's putting it out there, and, and I feel like he's genuine, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and listen, listen to last week's episode. Yamanika was bringing up the point where it's like it seems sort of a – you know, it doesn't seem possible. It seems yes. like the guy's putting out kind of like a, a fairy tale of an idea. She also pointed out that in order to get people on board with this idea, you don't really, um, you know, she, she said it's very white. It's a, you have white people running around. Yeah, it seems yeah, like yeah. a very, um, you know, a very sterile world kind of thing. But in fairness to him, he did have, he mentioned Black Lives Matter. And I, I think he's the type of guy that probably is supportive of a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Fine, but you can go check out the episode last week if you want to hear kind of how Yamanika talked about it, which I think is a valuable point of view, and you just heard how we feel about it. So that's the story. Now, on to Black Lives Matter. This has been something that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. There's a couple of good clips I wanted to play because I think they're important. Basically, Bernie Sanders was interrupted. Do you know about this? He was Yeah, he was um, campaigning, and apparently where he was, there was a crowd of people that started Black Lives Matter. And then he chose to remove himself from the situation. Right. Yeah, it was in Seattle. Uh, I don't remember who the two uh, women, who their names were. But, yeah, they interrupted. He was Ironically, he was going to give a speech about race. That's what he was going to talk mm-hmm. about, which later um, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter you know, prominent people came out and they were like, we totally support what he said. It was a great idea. Like we talked about, I think we've talked about it on the show. I think Bernie Sanders is the target of them in a lot of ways because they know that he's probably going to be receptive to their ideas. And he's going to let them, in all likelihood, get up there and, and say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what I wanted to play because I think it's interesting. And I, I really respect Bernie Sanders. I like the guy and I like what he has to say in response here. Apparently, one of his staffers sent out an apology from the campaign mm-hmm. to Black Lives Matter, somehow apologizing uh, on Bernie Sanders' behalf. He has something different to say about it. And this is him on uh, Meet the Press. This is a quick clip. This is Bernie Sanders' uh, talking about Black Lives Matter and talking about the apology that was sent in his name, which we're going to get into. So, all right, this is Bernie Sanders on uh, Meet the Press. BuzzFeed has an article out this morning. Headline is this, Sanders' campaign reaches out to Black Lives Matter activists. Quote, I apologize. It took our campaign so long. Tell me more about it. Well, Well, that was sent out by a staffer, not by me. Look, we are reaching out to all kinds of groups. Absolutely. I met with folks at Black Lives Matter. We're reaching out to Latino groups. We're reaching out to the unions. We're fighting 
to expand Social Security, and we're reaching out to senior groups, we're reaching out to health care groups, because we believe that everybody in America is entitled to health care. We're reaching out to everybody. But on this issue of Black Lives Matter, let me be very clear. The issue that they are raising is a very, very important issue. And there is no candidate for president who will be stronger in fighting against institutional racism and, by the way, reforming a broken criminal justice system. Chuck, we have more people in jail in the United States of America than any other country on earth. And we need real changes. We need to do away with the militarization yeah. of local police departments. We need to do away with minimum sentencing. We need education and jobs for our young people rather than jails and incarceration. I First of all, I love Bernie. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, this guy always says something where I'm like, yes, exactly. Like he gets the problem. Part of the reason why they were the Black Lives Matter people were interrupting him is because they, and I think unfairly, are saying that he's not making Black Lives Matter and those issues the forefront of his campaign. I, look, he just said exactly. I think what part of, a huge part of the problem is mass incarceration, militarization mm -hmm. of police. All this stuff, uh, systemic racism. These are these are fundamental problems, and I think they create a lot of uh, strife in this country, particularly for people of color. He just acknowledged that. He said it very yes. clearly. I, do I think that that needs to be the very first thing he deals with in his campaign? No, I don't. I think money in politics, like Lessig is saying, I think that's the fundamental problem because then for a whole host of reasons, then you can get a true democracy, just mm -hmm. to put it in a, a little – you know, a little whatever, whatever. Bow tie. Yeah, bow tie. Perfect. He's, this is definitely something he's going to address. And I think it's unfair on their part to say that he's not addressing it or it needs to be the first thing he talks about. Well, no, you, it needs to be the first thing you talk about. Fine. Go out, protest, bring the movement to the forefront. We have a clip of Hillary Clinton talking to Black Lives Matter people. I think mm -hmm. she makes a good point too. But, any, but anyway, I want to just say that about Bernie Sanders. He's talking about it. Does it have to be the number one issue? No, I don't think it does. Does it have to be a, a top five issue? Yeah, yes. probably. I think it's extremely important. All right, let's finish up with this clip, and then we'll move on to the Hillary Clinton stuff, which I find really, uh, really interesting. I understand that, but you said a staffer put it out, but uh, an you felt an apology was necessary? No. I think we're going to be working with all groups. This was sent out without my knowledge. Fair enough. Buzzfeed. All right. Which, first of all, great. So the staffer made a mistake. Eh, maybe the staffer made a mistake. Maybe he's backtracking a little bit, whatever. But I like that he just comes out. And he's like, no, he answered the question. Did Was there an apology necessary? No, hmm. we're working with all groups. And I agree with them. I don't think an apology was necessary. First of all, he let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't have to do that. He could have them removed. He let them talk and he postponed his speech till the next day. So which that speech on race, if you read it, got very positive reviews from the Black Lives Matter organization. All right. The next thing, this is what I find really interesting. And the reason why I'm playing it. Uh, is this shows Hillary Clinton, I think, in a way that you don't normally get to see. This was okay. a behind the, you know, a closed door meeting, behind the scenes meeting with uh, two Black Lives Matter or three Black Lives Matter um, activists. Mm -hmm. Hillary's talking to one, one of them and there's two clips. One of them is like almost eight minutes. That's the first part of it. I'm not going to play that. Obviously, it's too long. But if you want to check it out, you definitely can. Uh, they talk about... Uh, the the activist puts mass incarceration policy of Bill Bill Clinton at Hillary's feet, essentially saying that a lot of the policies that took place under the first, you know, the Clinton administration uh, led to a lot of young black men being incarcerated for low okay. level drug offenses and things like that. All right. So that's where it is. They have a back and forth about it. The second part is like two and a half minutes and I want to play it. The reason why I want to play it is because it really puts Hillary in a different uh, light. I think that a lot of people see normally um, and it shows sort of her 
thinking about how change happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can discuss that. So that, does that make sense? Yes. Kind of that setup. All right. So let's play this Hillary Clinton talking to uh, Black Lives Matter. Now, again, this is the second part. So there was already a whole conversation. So maybe if one or two things don't totally jive, go check out the first part. But this is the second part of the conversation. And then we'll get into uh, kind of the specifics of it. It says on August, on Tuesday, August 11th, Hillary Clinton met with five, oh, excuse me, five Black Lives Matter activists behind closed doors after a campaign event in New Hampshire. In this candid video, the presidential candidate is asked to address the question of countering racial injustice in America. Simple enough. Pay attention to, uh, all right, let's just play it. This guy's Keen, it says for or I guess I don't know if his name is Keen, I guess Keen, New Hampshire is where they mm-hmm. are. I don't know. I'm stupid. I, I I stand here in your space and I say this as respectfully as I can. But if you don't tell black people what we need to do, then we won't tell you all what you need to do. Well, I'm not telling right? you, I'm just telling you to what tell I, me. What I mean to say yeah. is that this is and has always been a what problem. Of you, you know what? I should pause it there because he, but basically what that that had to do with is like in the first part, he go, he talks about the mass incarceration and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And and she says, look, like a lot of movements, like the gay movement, like um, women's movement, civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of activism. There was a lot of putting it out into the public consciousness. There was a lot of trying to change hearts and minds, which works to an extent. But once you get recognized, then you need to have a plan in place. And essentially, I agree with her on that. And she gets into it a little bit more here. But this is what his reaction to basically mm-hmm. is saying, like, well, what do you want us to do? She say so. And then she kind of answers this question here. So here, here we go. And we won't tell you all what you need to do. Well, I'm not telling right? you. I'm just telling you to what tell I, me. What I mean to say yeah. is that this is and has always been a what problem of violence. It's not there's there's not much that we can do to stop the violence against us. Well, if, if that a is a conversation that well, I push okay, back. Okay, I understand. And, I understand what you're saying. also respectfully. Yeah. Well, respectfully. respectfully, if that is your position, then I will talk only to white people about how we are going to deal with That's the very I mean. real That's problems. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. No. But like now, <laughs> whether you agree with it or not, that's see. This is the thing. the 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 character that you see of Hillary Clinton is like. You know, I'm nice and this and that. They they try to make her seem more likable. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like you. I just want you to be effective. That's Hillary Clinton. The person you just saw there where she goes, okay, I'll just talk to what mm-hmm. like she's she's a, a a bulldog. You know what I mean? Like I think behind the scenes and sort of like when it comes to policy, mm-hmm. she's not the type of person that's going to be taking shit from people. And I'm not saying that she that this guy's throwing shit at her, but I'm just saying yeah. like you can see a little bit more of like. That's the person that Hillary Clinton really is, not the persona that they're trying to put out to seem likable, to get votes where they have beer koozies that say Chillery Clinton. Like mm-hmm. she could give a fuck about Chillery Clinton. No, she should get the job done. Yeah, she's she whether you agree with the job that she's going to do or not, totally irrelevant. My point is that is the person that would be mm-hmm. running the country. What I'm saying is you, you what you just said mm-hmm. was a form of victim blaming. Right? You were saying that what the Black Lives Matter movement needs yeah. to do to change white hearts. No, I'm not talking about. Look, I don't believe you change hearts. I believe you change laws, you change allocation of resources, you change the way systems operate. That's as clear a 
Hillary Clinton doctrine as you're going to get. You don't change hearts and minds. You change, change laws, laws and you change systems. Right. And that, to me, bodes well for, I, again, we talked about it. Am I going to vote for Hillary Clinton? Probably not. I'm not probably not going to vote for any of the major parties. But when she talks about money and politics and things like that, it sounds like lip service. But if she really means it, she doesn't have to convince you that it's right or wrong. She's just going to do it. Change yes. the law. And she continues with that. But I really like that as a as a thing that encapsulates what this person is about. And hopefully she changes it for the better. Well, of course, yeah, right, of course, yeah. yeah. Now, more money in politics. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what I mean? So that that's a pretty clear uh, perspective for Miller mm-hmm. Clip, which I like. You're not going to change every heart. You're not. But at the end of the day, we can do a whole lot to change some hearts and change some systems and create more opportunities for people who deserve to have them to live up to their own God-given potential to live safely without fear of violence in their own communities, to have a decent school, to have a decent house, to have a decent future. So we can do it one of many ways. You know, you can keep the movement going, which you have started, and through it, you may actually change some hearts. But if that's all that happens, we'll be back here in 10 years having the same conversation. Because we will not have all of the changes that you deserve to see happen in your lifetime because of your willingness to get out there and talk about this. Thank you. Thanks. We got to go this way. Uh, Now, I I really I like what she's saying there. I mean, I I I agree what she's saying. I mean, we talked about it. I I don't know if we no, we didn't get into Occupy Wall Street on this show, but we used to talk about on the Backyard Buddies. Mm -hmm. We went down to Occupy Wall Street. We're down there. Yeah, it's a great idea. Them doing it, them being out there in the park and putting that out in the consciousness has created a conversation about wealth inequality and things like that. But it's stopped at conversation. Now yes. it's dependent on people that are in the system. It's dependent on, you know, people that maybe we can't trust and aren't really serious about it. That's what she's saying about Black Lives Matter. She's not saying it's irrelevant. She's not saying it's invaluable. Uh it is. It is relevant and it is valuable. Her point is be able to once you get recognition go somewhere with it have a policy position say we we specifically want to reduce mass incarceration demilitarization yes. have those policies it's not just about well people like black people more now no, no. you need do- a plan of action yeah hopefully they would it doesn't matter ultimately though make the law then naturally i think things start to change because if you don't see uh black and brown people viewed as criminals you see them as people of a lower socioeconomic whatever it is you start to change the laws you're not incarcerating them then now now the stigma of criminals is not there you know like a lot of this stuff can change with policy you can disagree with that you might agree with it that's fine but i at least like to see that there's something very specific about hillary clinton's mindset and i think you could probably apply that to a lot of things so I, I just thought that was interesting from that perspective because you're not going to see that shit on TV. No, you know you're going to see the little soundbite. They're going to be talking about our emails and whatever, and that's it. which I'm paying attention to if something happens. Hmm. We'll talk about it, okay? But anyway, but that's you know. No, but she's you, right. It's not about hearts and minds. It's about the law. It's a little bit about hearts and minds. She's saying you're doing you're doing what you can for hearts and minds. Yes. You're doing it right now. The point is, when the time comes, you better be able to. And she's not saying I have no responsibility in that. That's the first part of the clip. If you want to listen to it, she acknowledges, yeah, it is. It is partially, uh, you know, the white whatever uh, meritocracy, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, the people that are in charge. Yeah, it is partly their problem. It's partly the police problem. It's, it, it's not totally on. But she's saying, as a movement, if you want to be a successful movement, you got to be able to go somewhere 
after you've gotten the national stage and you've gotten the yes. attention of, of probably the person that's going to become the president. Like, yes. Okay. You've made it. So figure out policy wise where it's going. And that was why I brought up Occupy Wall Street. They were leaderless, which is partially why, you it know, the, the idea of the movement. Right. But it's also why it fell apart. It's unrealistic to think that we're going to live in a world without leaders. That's not even how the country works at all. It's never worked like that. There's always been leaders. The point is, can we change the system enough to get people who are actually well-intentioned, well-meaning, well-representative leaders of this country? That's the issue. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what she's speaking to there. Great. I think that was good. I really wanted to play that clip. I really enjoyed it. Now... For everybody's favorite. What do you want to do? You want to do your fuck up of the week or you want to get to the GOP stuff, then do the fuck up of the week? Let's do the fuck up of the week now and then we go back and hit them hard with the GOP stuff. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, Joey. This is Joey Noe's fuck up of the week. Right. So it belongs to the old subway spokesperson, Jared Fargo, who will p- plead guilty to sex acts with minors and distribu- distribution, distribution of child pornography. Sex. He- He's expected to pay a hundred thousand in restitution to each of the fourteen victims, eight of whom are still minors. Jesus Christ! I mean, I'm gonna say this: it's more than a fuck up of the week. This is like a fuck up of the decade. This guy's yes, a this real is, this is bad disaster. I mean, I, I don't want. I mean, I'm like smirking about it. I'm not. I'm not I think it's disgusting. You know, pedophilia is obviously the worst. You know, it's like you're the worst of the worst. The interesting thing that I, I always think about with this, it's like, and it's not letting anybody off the hook by any means. Yeah. I think it's disgusting. I think the guy should, because he's only facing five to 12 years in jail. I Which think he should be in enough. jail for fucking 50, you know, 50 years. I think life is okay because this is the thing about it. You're never going to cure pedophilia. There is no cure for it. If you are oriented that way or you find young children as young as six, mm-hmm. different things like this. If you find that sexually attractive, there's no, you're not going to fix that, I don't think. So you're going to let this person out? There's no rehabilitation for this. You can leave him in jail for 40 years. He's going to get out, and you know what he's going to want to do? Fuck children, because that's what he's attracted to, because he's a man and he has sexual urges. Humans have sexual urges, so you're not going to cure that. Uh, that's always the thing that, that is weird about it, because I don't believe it's a choice to want to fuck children. I think you are oriented that way, the same way you can be oriented in you know, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever it is. I think that's just like a weird thing in your brain that, that orients you to do that. Um, I don't, in that regard, I, I, I feel bad for people that have that type of orientation. Mm -hmm. Now, does he have to act on it? No, but I totally fucking think about any time that you're sexually attracted to someone or you have sexual urges or whatever, it's healthy if it's towards a man or woman or whatever mm-hmm. it is, an adult, somebody who can consent. He can't do that. You know, he's attracted to children. So it's fucked up, but I still don't think he should act on it. It's, it's horrible. And this guy's a terrible person. And I, I really hope he gets punished. And God, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get destroyed in prison. So as, as this is going, I'm not defending pedophiles. Okay. No, at all. No, I'm I just know. trying to like, it's very difficult. It's impossible to wrap my head around being sexually attracted to children. It I don't think you're the only sense. one on that one. No, of course not. But but I but I also think uh, it's not. A, why would you choose to do that? It's it's not. You know, unless mm-hmm. you're so fucking sick in your head that maybe there are some people that do that. But I think it's a natural or unnatural uh, mm-hmm. attraction that that he probably doesn't really have a lot of control over. That being said, fuck you. You should get. Yes. You know, fuck you. No, something that somebody had control over that got out was. 
Subway decided around the same time as this is all going on to create a free game. Would you want to hear what the name of the game was, which has been removed from Subway's kids site? <laughs> yeah. Jared's Pants Dance. No. Yes. Really? Seriously. So they Who had, thought of that? I, I think I want to know. Oh, my God. So so as this is all going <laughs> Jared's on. Jared's fun. Oh, what? Can, uh, all right, good. So as this is all going on, it's Jared's Pants Dance, which is a game of the huge blue jeans mm-hmm. collecting sandwiches, bottles of water, and snacks for points. Ugh, baby bottles, blocks. Uh, yep. Jesus. Well, that's unfortunate for them. Yeah, so, so this has been removed from the Subway Kids site. And uh, that's that. Now, because we have a vacuum in the subway spokesperson role, uh-huh. I've come up with three dice- uh, three huge things I can do to show Subway that I should be their new spokesperson. Aha! Uh-huh. I like it. Go ahead, John. Okay, one. I can dress as the new sandwich from Subway, the foot-long sausage. Oh. Uh, are these going to be all sexual, Joey? Mm, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Two, introduce a new children's menu called Extra Fresh, Extra Young, and Extra Meat. No, you know what? I don't like where this is going. And one last one. I can totally eat a $5 sub that tastes like a yoga mat and state otherwise. What? Say that one again. I can totally eat a $5 sub uh-huh. that tastes like yoga mat and state otherwise. Oh, like because of that shit that they're yeah, putting the in the bread? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay, well, listen, that chemical in the bread was the fucking least of their problems, apparently. This is, uh, I can't think of a bigger, like, somebody so associated with a brand. I mean, we talked about this on TFM, uh, me and Jared on the news part. But, like, he's right. I mean, he brought this up, and I agree with him. Like, I can't think of a, a, a bigger, like, attachment of a person to a company, you know? Like, this is really going to fucking hurt them. Can you think of one? Uh, previously, you had the Dell guy who got caught with the pot. Oh, yeah, but that's not... I, I don't even know what you were talking about. Yeah, I remember the Dell guy. Yeah, but so what? That's okay. Okay. Smoke some weed, of course. And today, it hasn't happened, but if if Jane from Toyota got caught, that would have a huge one. Right. Uh, What's-her-face from... Flow from Flo Progressive. From Progressive. Yeah, but that's not... You're the right. redhead from Wendy's. Right. Yeah, you're right, but... um. But just the the longevity of the like Subway became popular or became popular again because this fucking nerdy dipshit lost, lost a bunch pounds. of weight. Yeah, like it's so tied up in it. And God damn it. It turns out he lost all the weight jerking off to child porn. That's uh, what it was. Ah, uh, Was that? Oh, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be too much. <laughs> it's it's horrible i mean it's again like it's it's easy to make jokes about but like you forget like no it's there's sick. children that are being exploited here it's really fucked up uh yeah well anyway so okay that is a fuck up of the week for sure yes. we'll stay we'll you stay on top of that because do do updates about the okay. Jared thing because i think people just so such a weird one such a weird one and i gave him the benefit of the doubt a lot of time like Look, let's see if they find something. It could have just been his business partner. No, this guy was really tied up in it. I'll be honest with you. I thought he was going that everything was copacetic because it took him such a long time from when the other person's hard drives were searching everything to this coming out. Right. I really thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's been like a month, I guess, since that came out. Didn't really hear anything. And I was like, all right, well, maybe he didn't. He didn't do anything. Maybe he didn't do anything. No, it turns out he was heavily involved with the videos, uh, distributing them and fuck kids that were like 17 but then was trying to pay them to get younger kids saying like the younger the better it's like this guy's a yeah there's a few screws millions of dollars down the toilet fucking his family ruined like the wife wants a divorce so weird man so strange 
Well, maybe he just thought he was big enough and he wasn't going to get caught, I guess. Maybe that's another level it could have yeah, taken I don't to. think there's a lot of... Thi- that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a lot of thinking involved when it comes to fucking kids. Like, it's... it's, uh, it's an, You're an animal at a certain point. You're, you're, you, have, you have natural sexual urges. All humans do. But when you're oriented to be attracted to young children, again... Good luck preventing yourself from doing that for for however old he is. How old is the guy? Forty? I have no well, idea. Whatever. Say he's 40, 35, yeah. 40, 50 years old. You're you're never going to masturbate. You're never going to have sex. Like if that's what you're attracted to, that's the thing that you're going to want to do. And good luck trying to stop yourself from doing that for for fifty years. This is what happens with priests. Like not that they're a lot of them. You know, percentage of them are kid touchers. Like they they take a vow of chastity, but good mm. luck avoiding, like when you try to repress something, eventually it's going to come out not defending him. He should be in prison forever, but you know, it, it's fucked up. I don't think there's a lot of thinking involved. If you were thinking, cause here's the other thing I've watched documentaries about this because it's a very difficult problem. Uh, I think Louis Theroux, um, or Louis Thoreau, he's a really good documentarian. Mm-hmm. He, he does like these weird weekends where he goes to like live with people of, you know, kind of like extreme behaviors and whatever. Okay. And he went to a, a one he did about pedophiles and he was at a, it was called a place for pedophiles, I think, which is probably available online. He goes there and it's after pedophiles get out of jail. I forget. I guess it's in England. They go to like a second, like halfway house kind of place because a lot of them admit we're never going to not be attracted to kids. We don't want to fuck oh, the kids. And the point of the halfway house is to be removed from all children. Yeah, because okay. they have to be there because it's sort of like a second prison that they go to where even if they're not, you know, they serve their sentence, you, they go, we can't be let out. What are you going to do with it? Like, we're going to do it again. We don't hmm. want to, but we're going to. A lot of them want to be castrated. Like, that's the, you know, that's kind of like the weird thing about this. It's a, it's a, it's a what do you do? You know, what do you do after you sentence somebody? Because again, yeah, do you put somebody in jail? I think, yeah, if you fuck a kid, you're in jail forever. It is what it is. It could be very like, you know, like an intermediate jail doesn't have to be like so bad, but like you can't be out. You you can't be in society. No, you you're just, you can't be a functioning part. Oh my God, I dropped my polar seltzer. You can't be a functioning part of society. Mm. You, you just can't be. And I don't even think castration would help. No, I don't. Because you could still molest a kid. You know, it's like it's a, it's a very. It's a fucked up situation. Very fucked up situation. And we'll see what happens with this guy. But he is not going to be treated nicely in prison. No, he's not. You got anything else to talk about with that or no? No. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? No, I, I, like, think nope, I think we covered it. it. Yeah, I, I think we covered that one. All right. Fair enough. Um, very good. Now, also, I want to say this at the end of the show. I was trying to think of a song. I, I don't know. Uh, so I asked Joey, do you want to come up with a song? What is the song that you've chosen for the, uh, for the Samsonites? The song I've chosen is Sail by... Damn it, wait, hold on. I disconnected okay. the computer. Wait. Samsonite! All right, good. The song that I wanted to play is Sail by Elevation? Elevation? No, I think it's pronounced Owl Nation. I, Owl I called Nation? you earlier before you came. And I was like, yo, think of a song. And you were like, oh, Sail by... By uh, aviation. aviation. And I yeah, was like, that's what that's, I call it. I've never heard of that. But it's Owl Nation. Okay. Owl Which Nation. is an oldie but a goodie. Years ago, like when I first moved to the city, I was listening to that song a lot. And it was when I was doing like open mics and stuff. So that's sort of what it reminds me of. So, uh, oh, nice. Great. So we'll end the episode with Sail by Owl Nation. And uh, that's Joey's pick. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Now, let's wrap up with some GOP grand old party poll numbers and some policy insanity that I think that nice. they've been talking about this week. I have the top 11 polling candidates on the Republican side in first place. Mm -hmm. 
is Donald Trump. What percentage of likely Republican primary voters are supporting the supposed billionaire mogul? I'm going to go 16. Donald Trump is at 25% support. Oh, wow. Which is a fucking huge amount of people when you have 11 other people, you know, 10 other people running. So Donald Trump is still polling at 25%. Again, do I think Donald Trump is actually running for president? I don't. But I guess he's lasting a lot longer than I thought he would. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll see what happens. In second place, and this should be very worrisome, these poll numbers is why I'm bringing them up for people on the right. It doesn't bother me necessarily somebody that supports like a liberal or progressive agenda like Fine, let, let let this happen. It's okay. In second place is Ben Carson at twelve percent. Oh, he jumped way up. Yeah, he did. He jumped way up. I I don't understand. I mean, and here's he had a good showing at the debate, though. He had a good showing in terms of he was funny. He cracked a lot of yes. jokes. Oh, okay, he was funny and didn't seem to be a running joke as some of the other candidates kind of came out. Yeah, as. I mean, I guess I, I, it's very strange that he would be getting that type of support. Yamanika has some has some thoughts about yeah, Ben Carson. Did. You could listen to the second hour of last week's uh, episode where we talked about the debate, but he's in second place at 12. Cruz is in third place at 10. Huh. Jeb Bush, who I still think ends up with as the their nomination. Nominee, he's in fourth at 9%, which is not good, man. I mean, uh. he's way far behind. Um Trump, the only thing is it's like Carson doesn't have the money, Cruz probably doesn't have the money, and Trump isn't raising any money. So they might drop out. So that would then mean Bush would t- – anyway. Fifth place is Huckabee, who I have uh, just a great quote about Huckabee uh, in a minute. Walker is in sixth with 6%. Him and Huckabee are tied. Fiorina jumped up. She's in seventh now with 5%. Kasich, Rubio, Paul, and Christie, 4%, 4%, wow, 3%. dead 3%. last? Yeah, because he's a fucking zero. I told you he was dead in the water. He's an embarrassment in New Jersey. He's not uh, – He's wow. not going anywhere. Trump is in first place at 25%. We're going to stay on top of this. I don't know where it's going. I don't believe the guy's actually running. We'll see what happens. Now, part of the policy stuff that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. you tell me if you heard about this this week. Several candidates recently came out saying we need to repeal or rethink the 14th Amendment, which is birthright citizenship. If you're born in America, regardless of if your parents are citizens or not, you are a citizen of the United States if you're born here. They're thinking maybe we should repeal that. And how, what, if your parents are born here and you're born here, then you're American citizen? Right, if you're born to American citizen. I think that's a lot so of So if you're second, gen- second generation, you have to be second generation now? Right, right. Your parents have to already have been here, both be citizens, and then they have you, then you're a citizen. Because they're still caught up in this idea of fucking anchor babies where fucking Mexican people are sneaking over the border, having a baby here, and then they leave, and now... Th- like yeah it doesn't it, make sense okay it's fucking stupid on top of that this is what's uh, here's bigger point there these are the people that are strict constitutionalists we need to stick to the constitution okay but except for the 14th amendment that that one no we don't they're only that. going to stick to the constitution when it feeds their need that's always what they do and that's what's fucking infuriating about this you can't ever have a real argument because they just switch the rules and they switch the conversation to something else ted cruz he supports this because i was wondering when i was reading the article does cruz support this yeah turns out there's an update cruz came out supporting it he was born in calgary alberta canada this guy yeah but he became a citizen because his parents were you know like he wasn't even born on u.s soil but he wants to repeal this yes he was born in Canada. Do you understand how fucking crazy that is? Like, is that? It's a little crazy. That tells you. Meanwhile, he's in, he's polling third. Yeah, ahead of of. All right, let's wrap up with this yes. Huckabee, who 
is ahead of Walker, Fiorino, Rubio, people that actually maybe I don't agree with them, but they probably could be president. I mean, yes. maybe they could be president, but people actually think they're the thinkers of the party. They are legitimate uh, presidential candidates. Uh, we use the word legitimate loosely, but sure. Okay. Right. Huckabee, this is he's talking about Paraguay. Apparently they had an issue where a 10-year-old got pregnant. She was raped by her stepfather, got pregnant, and actually had the baby recently. Okay. All right? They denied her an abortion in Paraguay. They're very anti-abortion, only in very rare circumstances. Okay. Okay, so this kid ends up having the, a 10-year-old raped by her stepfather, forced to have the baby, which she did. Mm-hmm. This is Huckabee talking about that incident. I guess he was being interviewed because, yeah, this is all we want to talk about. Let nobody be misled. A 10-year-old girl being raped is horrible. But, meanwhile, <laughs> anytime you say a 10-year-old girl being raped, but... Like, how, how can you file that with a butt? Yeah, what, what? What? What about that? But does it solve a problem by taking the life of an innocent child? When I think about one horror, I also think about the possibilities that exist, and I just don't want to think that somehow we discounted a human life. Let's not compound the tragedy by taking yet another life. So... Huckabee coming out strongly in favor of letting a 10-year-old uh, give birth to the uh, product of a rape of her stepfather. That's what he thinks is okay. Because that kid is probably going to be better off being raised by an 11-year-old in a household where the stepfather thinks it's okay, is a pedophile, to rape her and then and then make her keep the child. Like That's probably a good circumstance for the kid to be born into, right? I think it's a bad circumstance for the kid to be born into. I tend to agree with you. However, I feel that with this issue, the state should intervene and do something with the uh, with the child. Obviously, yeah, this because an eleven year old is not going to have the resources necessary. Yeah, to, of course not. To but that's but again, this, this is like a prime example of what we're always talking about. It's like they don't want abortions to happen; they want to protect the life of everyone yeah, but until the, the baby life. gets born. Yes. And now, what is going to happen to that kid? You, do you think possibly that kid's going to get fucking molested or like? That's the it's a bad environment and it's just breeding another bad environment. Of course. And this is the other point. We're just going to wrap up with this. This is something we talk about a lot of the time with religious fundamentalists and people like that where we go, oh, they're crazy. They're at. No, they really believe it. Yes. So you either are for the idea of being totally in a religion and then accepting what people do because of that belief. Huckabee. On the bright side, he really fucking believes what he's talking about. He believes it so much that he thinks it's okay for a 10-year-old to give birth to uh, the product of a rape. He thinks that's okay because he believes it so much. So is Huckabee crazy? Should he be scorned for this? Or should he be praised for having ultimate faith? That's always the argument, and this puts it into a stark relief here, you know? I just think it's a difficult situation with this one. Well, of course, but and- but that's the problem with being a an absolutist. Yeah, things are going to come up that are difficult and Huckabee to his credit, he is unflinching in the face of any difficult circumstance. He is. Nope. No abortion. But that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. He has such strong morals that he's willing to, you know, never compromise. That's, that's the reality there. Is it strong faith or is it insanity? Will only time will tell. tell. There's no way to know. Um, all right, everybody. Joe, you think that was a nice episode? Yes, I do. I think we got to a lot of stuff. I think we did it in a reasonable amount of time. We'll be able to get out of here. Let Anya Marina and uh, Phil Hanley and Sam Marill from We Know Nothing get in and record right after us. Uh, and they have plenty of time. So perfect. I really enjoyed this episode. I think you did a nice job with the uh, Jared Fogel stuff. Thank you for Thank bringing you. it to uh, – I mean, I think it's been in everybody's mind. But Yes. 
stay on top of that if there's any updates I, i'm interested any more information coming out uh, mm-hmm. you know whatever i think i think people are interested in that fucking weirdo story um all right guys thank you for listening we really appreciate it as always uh go to soundcloud.com slash mandatory samson you can leave a comment on the track when it gets released uh, at midnight on Thursday night or early Friday morning, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, you can also follow us or subscribe there. Well, we got a lot of subscriptions over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we love the support. You can email us, mandatorysampson at gmail.com. I respond to all the emails, and if it's a good um, – not good, but if it's like relevant to what we're talking about, I always – you know. I usually bring up the email. Yes. Uh, you can go to dailymotion.com slash stand up New York labs. And uh, you can watch full episodes of this podcast and all the other podcasts that we work on. You can also go to labs live to watch a live stream of uh, everything that we're doing here. Uh, what else? Twitter. I'm at man Please follow me on Twitter. Um, I guess I haven't been as active on Twitter as I, as I used to be. It's usually just kind of like posting the podcast and like mm-hmm. talking about that, but I'm going to try to get back into it you know, posting like kind of like jokes and offhand yeah. stuff. That's the other thing. Just know if you're following me on Twitter, a lot of what I'm posting is a joke. So, like, if you go, like, well, that's a weird position to take, it's probably it's a, a joke. joke. You know, you'll, you'll know when I'm being serious. You'll know when I'm joking. Um, that's it, I guess. Snapchat, I'm on there. If you guys want to friend me, that's fine. I like looking at people's, uh, you know, their little stories. Yes. I don't really put up a lot of stuff. You got anything you want to plug over there? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joey from Jersey with a Z. Yeah, that's the, that's the whole story. Uh, again, the donate button, I, I told you guys how to do that. If you'd like to do it, you'll be paid, repaid in uh, St- and stickers, mandatory stamps and stickers. Yeah, uh, standupnewyorklabs.com. Go to the entertainment section, find our podcast, and you can find the donate button on there. No obligation, but we really appreciate it. It'd be cool to, uh, you know, see if you guys support us in that way. We love all the support we get otherwise. So thank you very much. We are going to end this episode with Sale by Owl Nation or Aviation, as Joey likes to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back next week. So we'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>